You're listening to the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast, a podcast that will help you succeed before, during, and after your crowdfunding event. And now, here is your host, Andrew Lowen. What's up, everybody? It is Andrew Lowen, your fearless leader, the raid leader of the Crowdfunding Nerds. Uh, to my left is our DPS, Sexy Irish Sean. He uses a bow and he has a kitty for a pet. It's like hunter class, well, I guess. Was, okay, Wolf. Bear was the best. <laughs> anyway, Rick is to my, I mean, he's not really to my right. He's more like south of me by 40 miles. He what? is going to be our healer. Rick's the healer. Oh, he's man, that's one. a boring job. That's the guy sits back just clicks on names all day. Okay, he's a wizard. Yeah. He's like shooting fireballs. Pump well, is what he is. It's, yeah, well, it's just like normal because when um, things go wrong, we, we just yell at you. It's like we blame Rick. <laughs> it's like, on this episode, I really wanted to dive into what I have been doing lately for Deliverance. So Deliverance is uh, going to be live uh, by the time anybody hears this. I am in the days leading up to Deliverance working diligently on making sure my numbers are right. And so what we thought would be a good idea was to kind of talk about what goes into an offer. You know, uh, we, we did a podcast about the offer and how you need to have a good offer, but we didn't really talk about the deep dive behind what makes the numbers work and how you come up with an offer. And that has been what I have been steeped in for the last month. And that's kind of the topic at hand. So we're going to talk about shipping. We're going to talk about the manufacturing price and, you know, all of that. And in, in the end, what the user ends up seeing is they see a price for the game or a price for the pledge level, and they see what comes inside the box. And then they see the price for shipping and they decide they kind of use that information alongside the gameplay and whatnot to decide if they like something or not. But what I see is that I have people that might order from, what is it, 23 countries in the European Union that each have different shipping rates, VAT charges. Um, they'll order from the United States. They'll order from, you know, the people could order from Croatia. People might order from Brazil, which has historically the absolute worst postal service known to mankind. Here's an un unusual question I have. Because I, I I don't I only I only buy games I don't make games right now. Like, is there a way, or do people when they make these campaigns do they exclude certain countries because of these issues? They do exclude certain countries, and you know, so oftentimes what a campaign will have is they'll have their tiers for shipping to uh, various countries, you know, in the EU or the US or you know the UK, Australia, Canada, etc. And then you'll have other tiers for other countries that are going to be more expensive to ship to. And then you have what is called the rest of world shipping. Rest of world is basically any other country not labeled here, like Israel or, you know, whatever. It's, it's expensive. And most countries in South America fall in that rest of world category. Actually, in fact, Central America, Mexico is actually very expensive to ship to. The idea is that Brazil, Russia sometimes ukraine and a couple of other countries that are falling i mean obviously places like venezuela that are engaged in war you know crazy war and sudan and whatnot you're probably not gonna find anybody that plays board games in sudan but some warlord yeah exactly even countries like brazil and russia and the countries i mentioned will be excluded from rest of world shipping so as a quick you know teaser to what we'll talk about my rest of world shipping is going to range between 45 and 52 dollars if you want to get your product shipped from 
you know, wherever the nearest uh, warehouse is to your location, it's going to be $52. However, Brazil by itself is $80 or higher. And it's going to take three months longer just if Ooh. you're in that country. So wow. it's uh, it's pretty gnarly. So I've also noticed that uh, there's actually a lot of games uh, coming out of the Middle East now. Um, I've seen a lot of companies that are uh, that are actually producing and making games and they're being they're created in the Middle East and they're being shipped out from there. Yeah. You know, what's really cool is that there are some um, clients that have contacted us. I don't think that um, we've actually um, started working with one of these uh, clients yet. But there are clients that have contacted us from the Middle East that have said, hey, I have a game. I'd like to bring it over to the U.S. and to Kickstarter and everything. It sold a thousand copies in, um, you know, my country. You know, sometimes it'll be India or sometimes it will be, gosh, what are other countries? Israel. Israel's a really popular one. Uh, um, UAE has had, had some games come out. Yes, that's what I was thinking of the United Arab Emirates. So people who have contacted us from these places. And actually, if you go to if you live in Israel, you're actually not allowed to use Kickstarter. So you have to even have like an intermediary that will basically collect money on your behalf and then pay you and so on and so forth, which is a can of worms in it of itself that truthfully, I don't really understand. Yeah. So let's get into our topic at hand. You know, we've got the the offer right? You've got your, um, so for deliverance, because it's our firsthand case study that I'm knee deep in all of the numbers. You've got several different pledge levels. First pledge level is a $59 level for the game. We have an $89 level, which has all of the gameplay content. And then it has a giant thick metal initiative token, which is basically like a giant Harvey Two-Face coin that feels like a pog slammer it's like a heavy <laughs> eight millimeter thick pog slammer it is so cool so and and of course there are angel miniatures oh tell everyone about your broken mini that's a story in and of itself uh real quick the story goes uh we almost died from carbon monoxide poisoning then our gas and electric company came out and broke one of my professionally painted minis and that's the story I would love to see that. Like, what was he doing playing with? It's actually cool angels. Uh, oh no! <laughs> yeah, dude. It, what absolutely what happened was the guy it must. So some guy comes over in a hazmat suit because there was carbon monoxide poison or in you know in our house, and we had to get that fixed. And that was gnarly. So I lost all my sleep one night, uh, the week of or the week before Kickstarter. And so the only guy that was in my house was the guy in a hazmat suit. So. I come back home after all is well. We found out it was our water, an issue with our water heater. And we ended up, you know, I ended up coming back up to my office. My board game shelf is right behind my office. And the minis that I had painted were placed on the top of that shelf in a very safe place that my kids, you know, couldn't grab and all that. And every mini is in its place except for Shula, which is laid down in its place with the base shattered off. And the, the base is like in the center of the of the shelf so that I would see it. And then the mini was placed gently down. It must have been that the guy um, walked by, you know, as he was measuring and testing various things. And then he saw them and thought they were really cool and picked one up and then set it down too hard. Yeah, man. And it was funny because I actually grabbed five board games. I'm like, I don't know how long we're going to be gone. I grabbed Deliverance. I grabbed King Domino, Star Realms. Uh, Chronicles of Crime, and then uh, one other, which was um, Call to Adventure. And that kind of surprised me, the games that I picked in an emergency, you know? Jamie Stegmaier. Like, yeah. <laughs> there you go. I, didn't, I didn't actually take any one of his games. Wow. So it was uh, weird. <laughs> no, actually. So uh, Kirk Dennison of Peacekeeper Games is just an absolute wizard with uh, Excel. And so 
um, I've been working with him to really make sure that my numbers are tight and that I'm not just flying by the seam of my pants. I tend to really like to do that and just say, oh, it's fine. It'll be fine. Everything's fine while everything's burning down around me. And so I need good people that uh, don't operate that way to be around me. And that's that's how we're going to uh, have a profitable company is people like that. So Kirk is the guy and he has done a lot of work for me to just make sure that my numbers are right. We're work, we work through um, shipping. We've worked through um, issues related to uh, shipping overseas with VAT charges, value added tax. It's a charge that everyone has to pay attention to and, you know, subsidies for shipping and, and all of that. We've also worked on the actual bits that are going to make up the game. So the manufacturing prices, those are going to be, you know, very, or those are very important, but so that's kind of the, you know, that's, that's what I've been doing. It is not my favorite thing to dive into Excel, but it is his favorite thing. He's just. I, I think I was talking to you guys before this, but he's like Mozart with the piano, but it's like him with Excel, you know, it's just, it's like watching a it's music, beautiful. like a master at work. Brings, yeah. Brings yeah. Tear to your eyes. Colors and lots of columns. And yes. Right now it looks like I'm looking so, at the matrix, you know, <laughs> what I'm looking at. It's like numbers. <laughs> the number, all the yeah. numbers flying. Yeah. Just click on the summary tab. I think that one's easier for us, for us, oh, yeah, for yeah. simple folk. Y'all don't see what it is that we're looking at right now, but it's a, it's an Excel spreadsheet. Now, basically, there are two tabs inside this little document. The first one is the ship by country tab. It's a huge, huge spreadsheet. And then the other one is the summary. And the summary is a very short, easy to digest, easy to understand, you know, what region, what is the price for shipping? And that's really what it is. So you have the US, we're charging $9 shipping, no matter if you get the base game, the deluxe edition, or the all-in. Um, Norway and Switzerland, charge $15 for all of those. Uh, we've got the German, uh, Germany, the UK, Canada, Australia in a bracket. We've got the EU and then we've got like New Zealand and Japan and other countries that are a little bit more expensive in another tier. And then what we call rest of world uh, shipping. And then Brazil is on its own, you know, and then we have another little tab that talks about profitability by top countries. So this is going to be really, really important. And we'll talk about why later, but I needed to know what my margin is for my product. So one of the th biggest mistakes that people make when they go to Kickstarter is they have this dream and this great idea and they estimate everything and they end up estimating short. And if you, if you estimate, you know, your costs and they're a little more expensive than you thought you can end up making huge mistakes that cost you so that your Kickstarter campaign is not only not profitable, but you end up being in significant debt after your Kickstarter campaign ends. And nobody wants to be in a situation like that. And the way that you get in a situation like that is you put numbers up without knowing why, why those numbers are what they are. That is just a serious danger. And so if you don't have that expertise, especially, I mean, if you're a first time creator, in all likelihood, you're probably not going to have the expertise that an accountant would have. You need people like that on your team. So I guess lesson number one is put somebody like that on your team. If it took 30 minutes to get to lesson number one, you know, uh, but that's an important one. Super important. So I, I put these numbers together because I need to know, okay, so let's, let's talk about profitability. The key word is margin. So we, we're charging um, $59 for the Kickstarter pledge of the base game. We're charging 
$89 for the deluxe game and $149 for the all-in, which would include a nice neoprene mat and a, um, a set of uh, metal coins. So, you know, metal uh, courage tokens, like you use them as your resource tokens. The profit margin. So you've got a couple of different things that you need to factor in. And, you know, I know a lot of people listening to this will start nodding their heads when I give you these costs. So you've got whatever it costs you to manufacture it. Then you've got whatever it costs you to freight it over to your warehouse, you know, so you've got to put it on a boat, which is going to drop it off at a port in some country, you know, the United States, European Union, the United Kingdom, you know, maybe I'll, I will probably drop off in Germany for the European Union, but there is a cost for each one of those things to go on a boat. And then there's a cost to get the products from the dock to the warehouse. And so we need to pay a truck to or a, a, a company to load stuff onto a truck and then bring it to a warehouse. And then you're going to need to, uh, well, somebody needs to pay what is called last mile shipping. After it's at the warehouse, it needs to be stamped, addressed, and, and shipped out to your backer, which will then receive it. So all of that is kind of factored in into the cost of things. So let's, for simplicity's sake, let's take the uh, deluxe edition of, of Deliverance. By the way, I'm sharing like exclusive numbers with you guys. I hope you all appreciate it. I, um, a lot of creators will hide their numbers and for good reason, you know. Um, honestly, I, I, I kind of feel like the, you know, as long as the offer is good, you know, people will be able to tell what your, you know, if the, if the offer is good from the front end. It's like, oh, $89 and they get all of those things. You can generally summarize in your head what other companies are charging for similar offerings. And Deliverance has a very good one. Deliverance is, is good, I think. So uh, that said, I'm just going to share all the numbers with you because that's what we're here to do. We're not here to try to sell you on going to back my Kickstarter right now, although you could if you wanted, but uh, we're here to sell you on the idea of knowing why you're offering what you're offering. So the $89 Deluxe Edition with the manufacturing cost and the freight is an average of $20 of, of cost. So it's actually like a, a, a between $16 and $17 cost for the game. And it is about, um, depending on the number of units that we would manufacture, it would be between $3 and $4 to uh, freight it, like on average. And so we'll say the landed cost of this game is $20. This is just straight up, you pay the manufacturer and you pay the freight. So it was $89 that the backers paying us. But now when you take out that landed cost, we're only making 69. Then there's another very important element. The actual cost of shipping and the cost that I list are going to be very different. So let's talk about the deluxe edition. I am giving a $10 credit and in some cases a little less and in some a little more to the price of shipping. So the United States for my package is going to be about 11 pounds, everything added together in that deluxe edition and the shipping and handling to the United States are going to be uh, to the backers. So this is the last mile shipping. So that $20 is going to get the product to the warehouse, you know, and then somebody has to pay to ship it to their house. So the actual cost of the shipping is, uh, and by the way, we have built in buffers. So we're buffering, uh, we're actually increasing the cost of, of the, the actual cost of shipping by 10%. 
So, and we're also increasing the cost of our landed cost. So these numbers are, you know, they, they have a little bit of padding. And if the situation is better when we actually pay the money, then that's, that's awesome. So, but it is, it is important that you would have padding and, you know, like a buffer if you're wrong, right? What if it's 10% more expensive than you thought? You need to have an answer to that. So anyway, the, the idea behind the shipping in the US, it's $20.91 to actually ship this package within the United States. So I am actually going to be, I, I'm going to be subsidizing by $11 for, to the United States. I needed it to be $9 shipping. So this is partially due to just making sure that it looks affordable. So $89 plus $9 shipping is a whole lot better than $89 plus $21 shipping. So in the United States, if I were to ship, it would cost me $20.91. I am actually going to ask the backer to pay $9 for this. And that means that somebody else has to pay the $11 extra that, um, you know, are roughly, I mean, $11.91 extra. So that's a, a cost that I have to shoulder that directly impacts my margin. So we talked about the margin of the game. I, I put $20 in for landed cost. I'm actually going to put, we'll just list it as $12 for the shipping subsidy just to the United States. Now, every single country that you ship to, including, you know, China, Australia, Canada, every, everywhere has their own shipping rates, which you need to uh, work with a shipping partner in order to get. I highly recommend working with a shipping partner and, you know, you may subsidize differently. Like we're, we're actually able to subsidize less to Norway and Switzerland. We're able to um, subsidize less to Hong Kong and China. We don't need to, um, you know, we only needed to, in order to get the same $9 uh, shipping charge to Hong Kong or China, we only needed to subsidize four bucks. But we're going to get um, many more backers from the US than we will from Hong Kong or China. Am I, am I looking at this right? Mm -hmm. I'm looking at Ireland and the cost to, you know, create okay. the game is seventeen ninety seven, and the VAT mm -hmm. is what, fifteen fifteen dollars. Yeah, so the VAT is nineteen percent. Well, so it's not. So you're paying VAT not on the cost to manufacture it. You're paying VAT on the retail okay. cost. So it's nineteen percent of eighty nine. Because it's crazy how you know <laughs> it's like the same price to produce it is like the tax that's on it. Yeah, your cost, your VAT, and your shipping are all the same. <laughs> it's it's absolutely wild. And in fact, though, this chart, I mean, this is crazy. And it does show that you have <clears throat> a margin of, of error or, or padding, you know, in case there's some other issues. But this chart, does this chart also include the costs of the shipping company? Like the, the cost for yes. the management company? Yeah. So, so actually what you see in the shipping and handling will include their fee as well. So it might be $20.91 awesome. that Fun Again is charging us, but it, it'll probably be closer to like, you know, 16 to $18, the actual cost and their labor. But if you were to actually go do this yourself, you would pay more than $20 and 91 cents to ship in the U S for a package that weighs 11 pounds and is, you know, roughly like 14 by 14 by six inches because they ship a bajillion packages. Plus there's no <laughs> guy at the dock that they do secret handshakes so. with and they give them like brown envelopes. Yeah, the margins, I'm looking at the summary on this chart and the margins look really great. But one thing I've, I just remembered is it doesn't include your, your pre-production costs. It doesn't include all the prototypes you've made. It doesn't include all the marketing. Stripe fees. Doing. It doesn't include the, the art artists. Yeah. So, I mean, right. it looks good now, but I'm afraid to look at it afterwards with after all the costs are, are uh, exactly. Done. 
So yeah, so you guys see where I'm going with this. Now, this is where companies shoot themselves in the foot and or in the head sometimes. You have a Kickstarter fee and you have Stripe fees. What I needed to do is multiply this $89 times 0.92. So 89 times 0.92 is... $81.88. Why do I multiply it by 0.92? It's because Kickstarter will take 5% and Stripe will take 3%. It's it's actually 2.9% plus like a 30 cent transaction fee in some cases. So 8%, you, you're there. That's why I multiply it by 0.92. My actual margin to work from, even though... I, the, so Kickstarter take, takes its chunk right off the top. They get paid absolutely no matter what. So... Let's say $81.88. We'll just round up to $82 for everyone so that it's easy. Now, the landed cost was $20, and the shipping subsidy for the United States was $12. So we have a total of about $50, $50 remaining that we get to work with. Now, the $50 that I have remaining, that has to, number one, pay me back for the work that I have put in. It, number two, has to, you know, I mean, if there was art, I mean, I'm thankful that I have paid for all of the art and, and everything like that. If there was art to still be paid for, this is the the amount that that you, goes to pay for that. A lot of the time, you know, this is it, this is the situation that companies, when they go belly up, it's because they still had a lot to pay for. And the, you know, 50 bucks a copy sounds pretty good, actually. If you sell 5,000 copies, I mean, that's that's a grip of money. But, you know, when you have a ton of art to do, miniature sculpts to do, 3D molds and and other things like that, that money goes away pretty quick. What about income tax? Do you have income tax in the States? Yes. Uh, and that's a whole that's a whole animal within itself. So the method that you use to account for your company, it, I would recommend accrual basis accounting versus cash basis. So accrual basis says, hey, we made $500,000 from this Kickstarter campaign in this year, but we're going to spend like $400,000 to manufacture and ship and do all of the things that need doing to actually deliver it. So what it would say is don't charge us a tax bill on the $500,000 that we made, which would just kind of cripple you. Please wait until we've incurred our expenses and then charge us taxes based on whatever profit we made. So if it ended up being $100,000 of profit that you made, you would be able to then pay the government its pound of flesh off of a much more reasonable number. So that's really important. But also, you need a CPA to do it. Absolutely need a CPA to uh, to do this accrual basis for you. The good news is the receivers of the product don't have to pay a sales a state sales tax. And the reason behind it is because when they Kickstarter is not a product based service, it is an investment based service. So these people are paying for an investment. Mm -hmm into your product and then because it may go bad and you may not get it so mm -hmm. there's there is a there is a little bit of risk but it's considered an investment so sale state sales tax does not apply in this case now there is something else that i haven't really talked about there's a column in this gig ginormous uh spreadsheet called vat admin if you look at that you'll see four dollars in admin fees to every country in the european union that is actually the average cost of VAT divided by as many backers as like average typically in each country and, you know, spread across however many games you're going to make. Uh, so if we were to make 3000 games, we would, we would pay an average of $3 and 93 cents in VAT 
to each of these countries per game. That's on top of the existing VAT. You basically have like a $1,600 a year fee um, around there. Maybe it's twelve dollars to $1,600 that you need in order to just be able to sell into the European Union. And then you actually also, if you sell over 10,000 euros of, of product, you need to have a second VAT number, which all in all is a total of $3,300 a year that you need to um, have to pay into the, the EU just to be able to sell there. Um, and that's what this little $4 admin fee is per game. It's, uh, it's wonderful. I think this is going to be very eye-opening. This is definitely, this episode is going to be very eye-opening to, to our listeners. Because um, it's crazy. I didn't even know that. Like, it's, yeah. it's like tax on tax on tax on shipping on tax. I mean, the costs yeah. are crazy. So all of a sudden, that $89 value just seems less. But what, uh, and by the way, that was factored in in the credit, or the actual cost for shipping handling, the cost for shipping handling. Uh, that was factored in to all of those on this little spreadsheet. So this deluxe edition now, instead of $89, I am actually making 50. The reason that that number is so important is because that is the, the margin that I need in order to actually be cash flow positive at the end of the day. I need to make more than I spend. And where you can absolutely shoot yourself is in the marketing. If marketing costs me $51 to actually make a sale, I will lose my shirt, right? And in theory, if it costs me $49.99 to make a sale, I'm cash flow positive. So, uh, and again, these numbers are rounded. The number is actually a little bit different. I think the, uh, the actual profit is $47.97, uh, which gives me a profit margin on my deluxe edition of 54%. So my margin is 54%. Uh, with all of these things factored in to a backer. If it goes to a retail, if it goes to distribution, the numbers are different and they, they line up. So uh, we're going to have backer kit do marketing work for us. We're going to do marketing work on our own as well. We're going to do a bunch of stuff. And I need to, I need to be able to know if these, if these marketing campaigns are profitable, especially with companies like backer kit that are going to charge you a, a fee. You're, they're going to charge you for the ad spend, and they're also going to charge you their fee, you know, per sale. So when Backerkit says they charge you a percentage fee, is that on the the sales they bring in, or just the total sales of the campaign? No, they're going to charge you based on the sales that they bring in. So this is uh, one of the things that that seems great about Backerkit on the surface is they say, "Hey, we're just going to charge you for whatever it is that we can prove we sold," which is which is great. But they're also going to charge you for the ad spend. I mean, they could spend a hundred thousand dollars and charge you an additional fifteen percent of whatever they whatever they sold. And so, you know, and they're like, "Hey, great, we're getting a three to one return on investment or return on ad spend. Isn't that excellent?" And it might not be excellent. Let's see here. Let's look at it. So if it took somebody a three to one return on ad spend would be um, roughly $30 for the deluxe edition. So if they sold a copy of deliverance um, for a three to one return on ad spend, which is kind of the, a, a decent benchmark to use in many uh, marketing situations where again, where it's an $89 pledge level, but let's just round up to 90 to keep it simple. So $90 divided by three is 30. So they cost, it costs them $30 to get a new customer for you. That sounds pretty good, but then you have the management fee or I'm, I'm sorry, the, uh, the finder's fee. 
So let's let's just say hypothetically, Backerkit is doing its job. They brought in a customer at thirty dollars, and they bought the deluxe edition, which was you know ninety bucks. That is going to be a result in a finder's fee of thirteen fifty. And so overall, in order to actually uh, get a customer for me, Backerkit is charging me forty three dollars and fifty cents for every sale that they make for me. I know that my profit margin, I mean my true profit margin is 40 roughly $48. So $43.50 out of that 48 bucks, I'm left with $5.50. Doesn't seem that great when I have to pay for art and I have to pay for the miniature sculpts and I have to pay for everything else. That doesn't actually pencil out very well unless of course you don't have those expenses, you know. And- so I, I suppose why our fl- our flat fee system is so attractive to so many people because they know how much they're paying going and right basically stick with that absolutely and now that it uh it, it is it is true actually i really like that flat fee model where you're just it's 500 bucks it's almost like i i consider that sunk cost there are certain types of costs that you should factor in like we're we're talking about you know the kickstarter's fee um the manufacturing costs and the cost of freight the cost to subsidize shipping every single one of those costs are per unit. Now, if you want to even, you know, like for example, I had to create a separate LLC called Low End Games LLC for this project. That's going to be $800 on a tax bill. That's not going to factor into my costs for this game because if it if you factor in all the costs there, you really kind of start to muddy the waters. And in in a way, I mean a lot of these are just simply investments to be able to play in this you know, in this uh, field. So, you know, mm. you can't, there are a lot of costs that you just are unwise to factor in. So Kickstarter is not a get rich quick scheme. No, in fact, it's a um, earn a decent middle-class income very slowly scheme. I mean, there's a lot of potential to make a great amount of money. Uh, for example, I mean, you can see a lot of games that um, that are very, uh, very popular. If, uh, you know, like Seventh Continent made you know, $7 million, Gloomhaven made $4 million and Frosthaven 13 million and whatnot. I mean, the, by the time you get up to margins like that, $7 per game when you're made, when you've sold 80,000 of them is a significant amount, right? I mean, that's easily able to float a company for an entire year or more. more. The thing is most Kickstarter creators deal in numbers of, you know, a thousand to 5,000 units and, you can't survive uh, with a full-time gig with a thousand sales or even five thousand sales. Like we wouldn't be able to support all of the the things that we do, and and you know it would just be a, in essence, kind of an expensive hobby, right? So the the key is you know really in with this whole effort, you you can take it one of two ways. You can either just decide you want to make something that the world will enjoy, and that and you know it's just a a thing that you do it's a hobby that you that you have and that kind of thing or you can really try to make a business out of it and i personally think both uh, you know is a, is a good idea make a business out of it that you enjoy so anyway i don't know maybe it's a soapbox that i just stepped on but so I'll i guess the real question is is how many millions of dollars are you going to raise on kickstarter if only i knew you know if only i knew um i will say this though we do have two pledge levels which i call the angel investor and the archangel investor that are $750 for the all-in pledge plus an epic set of paint have hand-painted miniatures. 
that's going to be interesting to see how many people go for that. And then the Archangel is 1500, which is going to be that epic hand painted set of angel minis that you now get to decide uh, what they, you know, what colors they use and all that. But um, in addition to that, you get a hand uh, or you get a, a signed prototype immediately after the Kickstarter ends and then a, um, a an original art piece signed by the artist, uh, Dan Maynard. Those things are going to help you recover your cost in the art, right? If someone has that, you know, $1,500 pledged for like original piece, well, then it kind of helps you recover some of the costs that were invested into the actual art of the game. Yes. And also, uh, I really like the, uh, the get it now type. You know, it's almost like a buy it now on Amazon. Buy it now. You know, uh, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't think there's many Kickstarter uh, projects out there that have done that. Um, or, or, or do you know of any? Because um, I really haven't heard many that do that. So there are a few, um, very limited that have, and the one that I, the one that came to mind is commissioned the call. So the expansion that we did for commissioned, they had, a you know, a level where it's like 200, it was, uh, what was the cost of the actual game? It was like $29, or you could get a version for like 250 where you would get a copy of a, a prototype and then you would get, um, other swag, you know, some, some other things and. Um, so those were all sold out. I do think that that tends to be a little popular. There are uh, companies that do things in a little bit of a different way that um, kind of give you a similar flavor, which is uh, so chip theory games. They're famous for too many bones, Cloudspire, and a couple of other uh, really, really awesome titles. Those guys do a, uh, a pledge level for I can't remember what it's called, but basically they have 10 pledge levels of this or rather 10 uh, pledges of this particular level on a campaign. And it's like invest you know 10 times whatever the campaign is asking for the for the the game and not only will you get an all-in pledge but you'll get a game that chip you'll get a version of every single game that chip theory games produces forever like you'll get every you know so it's you know you invest 1500 with chip theory games now and then you'll get a game every single game they ever produce and those things go immediately immediately and the price tag goes up every time it's like 2500 now or three thousand dollars and you know there are 10 of them and everybody gets them but yeah there's quite a few uh medium-sized conventions in the united states that sort of follow the same model like they have like the the you know ticket price for the year but they also have like the the lifetime uh convention pass and you you it depends on what it is and some 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 of them stay the same but a lot of them go up every year because they get more popular and mm-hmm. it's a one-time fee for all future conventions they ever throw uh, in, the, in the thing. Um, I do have a side question um, looking at this. So you have, you have your three versions. You have your, your base or retail, you have your deluxe version, and you have your all-in version. How does this work with your, with your manufacturer? Are they charging or charging you as, them as like three separate products with three separate, three separate fees? Or are they, how, how, are they, how are you managing this with your with your production uh, company. So this is actually an area that I found to a way to dramatically improve the efficiency of how we're producing. So you, you, you asked a great question. Um, so uh, just a little bit about the actual game itself. So the base game was going to come with five angels and the deluxe game comes with nine comes with additional cards it comes with additional um of course the miniatures and metal coin um and other things too and um in addition to that the deluxe game is going to come with uh, plastic inserts that are really awesome 
that um, just make the game a lot easier to set up and play and uh, that kind of thing. Um, so the games were originally priced out separately. Um, the areas that would be the same, let's say, uh, would be the punch board tokens. So you have damage tokens, you have you know status effects and other things like that. You have standees that would be the same. Um, so some of those items you get. So let's say if I sell 4,000 units of the deluxe version and 1,000 units of the base game, um, I would print 5,000 uh, sets of like cardboard uh, sheets or we'd have 5,000 sets of dice. You know, all of that is like the same in those games. Now, there are there are some things like there are 300 and roughly 345 cards in the base game and there are 425 cards in the deluxe game. So some cards I'm only going to produce that many of and other cards I'll produce more. So um, the what I found, I found this this way to really, really improve the I mean, everything about the game um, that just blew me away. And this was this was actually uh, Kurt uh, Kirk Dennison's gets the full credit for this. He's a really great guy to know for logistics and everything like that. He's uh, if you want to email him, by the way, games at peacekeepergames.com. He tends to do high level uh, logistics management and just help you get your shipping prices down and your manufacturing prices figured out and your manufacturing done efficiently. Uh, he's a very reasonable um, hourly rate, but he's a really busy guy. And if you want to grab him. Um, then I would recommend contacting him right away. Games at peacekeepergames.com. So th there are a lot of items in Deliverance that are made from cardboard. And uh, this would be all the character cards, the um, tokens, and, and, and everything like that. Uh, the map tiles. There's a, an actual game board that is in the game and that sort of thing. And we were actually able to improve. the. Er, so all of that stuff added together is about $7. And, you know, in, in costs, um, per game at, you know, whatever. So we were actually able to take all of that and upgrade the, the, um, uh, cardboard sheets to 400 millimeters wide by 400 millimeters tall, which is actually larger than the size of my game box. And, but instead of individually punching out each angel, individually punching out each demon, um, individually creating each individual component individually on an individual level, so many words, so many words, they all get jumbled in my head. We would be able to simply have all of them, yeah, on one single sheet. So we ended up with only using 10 of these large sheets. We only needed two cuts instead of like four, but we also saved the extra five cuts of different sized character cards and map tiles and that sort of thing. We ended up saving a dollar fifty hmm. using the exact same amount of cardboard because we had less labor. And in addition to that, we were able to not only save a dollar fifty, but within the new price of five dollars and fifty cents, we were also able to add China punching out all of the things, you know, for roughly about 70 cents a game. So not only did we save money and, and improve efficiency, but I believe we actually ended up making a better product. But it, it shows you the importance of designing your game with manufacturing in mind. Deliverance has gone through yeah. some changes. I think you told me at one stage you had paper 
paper, uh, not paper, uh, plastic clips on the side, but they turned out to be super expensive. Do you want to maybe talk mm-hmm. a little bit about some of the components that changed because of manufacturing costs? Definitely. Now, um, really the principle here, the underlying principle that's so important for everybody to understand is that I set my prices not necessarily because of the manufacturing cost. I sure did go get quotes and that kind of thing. But my idea was that the market, I wanted to charge what the market could bear. So I'm not necessarily trying to charge five five times my manufacturing cost or whatever, but I needed to charge what the market can bear. So that's why the base game is $59 because $59 gets into Barnes & Noble, but $60 mm-hmm. does not. So $59, you can find Dead of Winter for $59 in Barnes & Noble. And hopefully you'll be able to find Deliverance one day for $59 in Barnes & Noble as well. Now, I think Christian Bookshops like will, will eat this up. That's where you got to get it. And the yeah. really cool thing is a lot of stores that didn't originally have board games in them are now having board games. Barnes & Noble, uh, I mean, back in the days, didn't have board games. And they added a game section and they eventually add them. Target has a great uh, board game section. Yep. It's no longer just shoots and ladders. They actually have the the, the 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 more expensive German games that we play, like Catan and things like that. Uh, another one that just I just noticed, and I don't know how long they've been doing this, but GameStop is a video game store here in the U.S. and it's literally like you know X, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch. But they've also added collectibles. But on top of that, they also mm-hmm. now have board games. Yep, absolutely, especially games that are very thematically connected to. Um, popular video games. I'm sure that The Witcher will somehow make its way into GameStop on a very limited basis, but you're right. And you know, the the biggest consumer of board games, the biggest big box store consumer of board games is Target. They can absolutely make a small company into a massive company. If Target picks up your game and it does well, you can you can do extremely well as a, as a business. So yeah, I would love to see Deliverance in Target, but the $89 version is not going to get there. The $59 version may get there. Their specialty is really games that are like $20 to $40, which is why you see Pandemic, Catan. But they're actually expanding quite a lot because board games are doing very well for them. The whole concept by behind what the market can bear, this is something that is partially a gut feeling, partially understanding your target market. Um, I have the $59 version exists specifically because there are going to be people who wonder, you know, who see it on a game shelf and say, oh, what's that? And those people might, you know, be the perfect, perfect person. Maybe they're a, a, a Christian looking for a game that they can give to their nephew who plays video games like crazy and he loves, you know, dungeon crawling and whatnot. It would be great. And then all of a sudden they hear the price tag. They're like, oh, if the price is too high, they put it right back on the shelf. And they're like, well, you know, maybe for Christmas. So what I wanted I wanted a customer to be able to look at a thing and say, well, that's expensive, but I'll, okay, I'll do it. You know, I love little Johnny. He's special, you know, and the, the $89 price tag would frighten them away, but the $59 price tag would not even $69, $64. It would sure make it easier if I could charge $64 for the uh, MSRP versus 59, but 59 is the number that matters for, if I could get it to 49, I would, but it's just not possible with with the amount of components and that kind of thing. So that's huge, huge, huge. And part of the the work that I'm doing with the manufacturing cost is specifically to find ways to get more efficient so that my margin is better. You know, if I print an $89 game and instead of $20, I find a way to, to you know, landed cost to make it 19. Well, I just improved my efficiency by a boatload. 
And, um, you know, the, the, you know, at the end of the day, the price that I will earn, um, from that small little increase is, or that small little efficiency increase is going to be, um, multiple times higher than that. Um, you know, especially depending on where you sell it, if it was $19 and I sold it for 89, then the number doesn't sound that impressive. I made another dollar, right? But if I'm selling to a distributor who wants to buy it at 40% off, uh, or no, no, I'm sorry, 60% off $36 is what they would buy it for. When I go from $20 to 19 in cost, I make I mean, percentage wise, a huge increase over what I made before. So um, that's a, a just a small example, but that's why we have to get really efficient. That's why we have to drill deep. And that's why we have to, um, you know, figure out your your numbers really behind the the offer. So, so you're basically um, saying that um, yeah. so when we've it came got to design the game, you were already thinking about manufacturing. That's correct. So, you know, part of the thing is, I want to make sure that the game is is fun. It's a pro, you know, it uses appropriate components and whatnot. But you know, Sean, you were talking about those clips. I thought, okay, we'll track health with plastic clips because that's cool and it works and everything like that. And you know, part of the process of game development is simplifying and stripping things away and finding simpler ways to do things. And one of the things with the clips, there were there were a couple of problems, you know, from the gameplay perspective, it, it was like an extra step to add, you know, it was like, okay, not only do I have to get the demon card, but I also have to attach this clip, but I can't just attach it anywhere. I have to also attach it to the right minion. It's number one or two or minion number three. I have to attach it there to track their health. So I find number one, that that was a little clunky. And number two, it added an extra component. So an extra type of component, in addition to just being a component, it was another type of thing. So it was, uh, they ended up being roughly like 35 cents to add to the game. But I found a way to use, I just decided I'm going to use cardboard tokens instead. And I added one penny to the cost of my game and <laughs> removed the, the entire component. So y'all have heard us talk about a lot of numbers on this podcast. And some of this is probably pretty intimidating. I will say that the more that you work out, the better that you will be. But please don't plan on going to Kickstarter. Don't don't tell anybody a Kickstarter date unless you have your manufacturing handled. You know, you have a handle on your manufacturing uh, costs and your shipping costs and whatnot, we would recommend, you know, that you go check out ShipQuest, go check out Fun Again and Quartermaster Logistics and VFI and a lot of other, there are a lot of other companies out there that ship to various regions. You need to have a handle on these things. It's so important. The In, in the end, the offer that the customers see is what they expect to pay. And if you deliver on your, and that's a promise that you're making to them. If you deliver on the promise of the game costing this much, the shipping costing that much, and the delivery time being in such and such date, and the quality being according to what you're sharing with them on the Kickstarter page, you're going to develop a fan that will back you next time. So right now we have 4,200 people on the deliverance email list. We've got roughly 2,100 people in the Facebook group. We've got 1,400 and change on the Kickstarter preview page. And what I would like is for us to have, you know, maybe 5,000 excited backers. Um, 
Hang on. Oh, I love you too, sweetie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's dang and they're cutting yes. that out. <laughs> That's awesome. Super cute. So the idea is that, you know, I want to have all of these people that backed this game as my my tribe that I get to bring with me to the next game that we produce. And the only way you're going to do it is by delivering on your promises. The only way you're going to deliver on your promises is if you do it right. And if you're a nerd, you like theory crafting, so you should be into that. Yes. And with that, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. By the way, gentlemen, happy six-month anniversary of oh. our podcast. We are now on the 27th weekly episode, so six months. Woo, time just wow. flies by yeah. when you're having that's fun. Awesome. Crazy, crazy. Shout out to my secret stalker girlfriend. I know you're listening. <laughs> for, more, for more information about Crowdfunding Nerds, visit our website, crowdfundingnerds.com. Got a question for us? Crowdfundingnerds.com forward slash questions. And check out our awesome, awesome Kickstarter deliverance page. Um, I don't have the URL for it right now because technically, as of this recording, it's not live, but it'll be live. In the show notes. It, so uh, look for it. Should be the show notes. Yep. And uh, it should be on week one, I believe, is what we'll be on first week uh, once this, this goes live. So thank you all for listening to us. Have a great week, and we will see you next week. Later. Yeah. Adios. Yeah.